0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is back. He's here with me, and we are previewing Michigan's national championship matchup against Washington. It's been a long season. I mean, Michigan, I, I believe, has been favored in every single game. So uh, I don't know if they're like an underdog story, but if you if you zoom out and think about where this program was a couple years ago, uh, this is the opportunity for Michigan to close out a, a truly uh, exceptional, historic three-year stretch in program history. They're 39-3 right now. They've won three Big Ten titles. They've made three college football playoff games. They're 3-0 against Ohio State, 3-0 against Penn State, you know, just I—I I don't know about you, Steve, but talking to some of the players yesterday and and some of the coaches, and you know, a lot of them kind of are still bringing up that 2020 season. It's just—it's crazy how far this program has has come. Now they weren't, you know, there's—I don't know if they were quite as bad as they looked in 2020, but still, you think about 2019, 2018, how how far they seemed from this national championship stage, and here they are, not only in the championship game but with with in my mind the best chance one of the big Michigan sports has had to win a national championship uh of this century I would argue so we'll talk about some of the keys to the game and and make our score predictions as well and Steve normally we do the the keys for the offense and then we switch and then we do keys for the defense but I think in this matchup you know we'll talk about both obviously but I think we should lead with the keys for the defense because I really do think if, if Michigan's defense follows its keys and, and does what it needs to do to, to slow down Washington's offense, I really think Michigan's going to love its chances of winning this game because that's, you know, Washington, uh, similar to Michigan, great couple year turnaround with their program. They're four and eight in 2021. They are 25 and two since, including 14 and 0 this season. A lot of close wins, a lot of wins where or maybe they had to sweat, uh, but also that can be a good thing if you have an experienced team, a, a you know a good leadership core on both sides of the ball. I mean that's that's a compliment to you know be able to win ten straight games by ten points or less. Uh, they beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl, and so I think the 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 engine of this Washington season is really that passing attack. They lead the country in passing yards per game. They're top. 10 in all the different uh, efficiency stats or the the per pass attempt, passer rating, all that kind of stuff. So I really think that's that's the bread and butter of what Washington does. If they throw the ball well, they're probably winning that game. And so far this year, they've thrown the ball well in just about every single game. So, Steve, looking at, at this matchup, Michigan's defense, about as good as it gets pass defense-wise. Think about the pass rush and the coverage in the secondary. What is the biggest key for Michigan to slowing down this Washington passing attack?
0: I guess I mean multiple keys, obviously. Also, by the way, glad to finally be uh, back. That was pretty ridiculous. Um, I, I I guess I keep thinking of if if Michigan can just repeat their performance from last week. Like I don't think anybody expected Michigan's four-man pass rush to play the way they did against alabama um i don't think i think it's been a long time since you've seen any team do that to alabama up front right uh let alone especially with the, that
1: first half now i will say right? you know la- entering the rose bowl alabama was 118th in sacks allowed per game they were 95th in, in pass blocking efficiency so there had been holes but you're right michigan they, they didn't just get pressure and get a couple sacks i mean they just they had to they completely derailed alabama's offensive capability and wisconsin or wisconsin and washington joe moore winning oh joe joe moore award-winning offensive line this year they are top five in fewest sacks allowed they are top five in pass blocking efficiency i mean this is you know, they won the Joe Moore Award basically because they didn't allow this pass-happy offense to get sacks. So it, it definitely would derail what Washington's able to do.
0: Right. I, I With Bama, I mean, yeah, I think the most important thing was, to that point as far as Michigan dominating them, is, yeah, it wasn't so much, uh, like, coverage sacks as it was Michigan just bum-rushing them. And it was all four guys, too uh or it wasn't really a one player show in that regard right and then the the other two things i keep thinking about it it also felt like michigan's linebackers had their best game of the season last last week which was interesting i think those guys if they repeat that performance but but without without just simply saying they need to repeat their performance from last week i think the biggest thing is uh the back seven wrap up and tackle i think that's going to be pretty pivotal now Odunze is a guy that can, can catch the ball in any way, shape, or form. Polk's a deep threat. Uh, McMillan is definitely more of your yak type guy. So, you know, multifaceted in the type of receivers they're going to throw out there. But I really think it comes down to not letting them get free. Uh, because I do think it's, this might be a bend, don't break type deal. For Michigan which is fine I don't mean that negatively like like uh like you shouldn't be too upset if Washington does get a, some yards tomorrow I mean it's I'm not expecting a total shutdown of their offense at all but you know a couple field goals here and there a stop I do think if Penix is pressured he's very capable of making mistakes that's one thing you know that that agree Michigan right that they seem to but and then and then to that point is like Michigan has seemed to have had a knack for taking advantage of whether it be quarterbacks or whoever making mistakes. I mean, one thing we used to, we we would always talk about, I remember going back is like way back to like the Dom Brown days was how Michigan would always lead the country in like tackles for loss, or they'd be up near the uh, league lead in sacks yet. They'd never seem to force a ton of turnovers this year that they've totally reversed that trend. Uh, You know, they are really have found a knack for, for getting to the ball making the, making a plays on the ball and, uh, you know, creating fumbles and et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, I I do think if Michigan can get him off balance a little bit at certain points that, yeah, that they can get, they can make force some mistakes and and, uh, capitalize on them. So yeah, to me, I think the tackling aspect is going to be really, really big for them tomorrow.
1: It will. It will. Just to put some numbers to your, to your point about Penix that he is, capable of making mistakes when he's under pressure his completion percentage drops from 73.6 percent to 45.1 percent his passer rating drops from 176.1 that's the college passer rating to 120 23.5 and his touchdown interception ratio is 5.3 when under pressure as opposed to 30 to 6 when he's in a clean pocket so basically he's still he's he's a good enough quarterback that he can still make plays but he definitely becomes a lot more human average mistake prone when he's under pressure just like every quarterback but but he's 11th in the country in clean pocket passer rating he's 32nd in the country in pressure passer rating so that definitely makes a difference and then really I think the biggest difference that pressure can make is it just limits some of those longer developing way downfield throws penix has 10 more pat completions of 20 yards or more downfield air yards than anyone else in the country right now and i know he's passed a lot more too and he's thrown probably more passes than anyone in the country to this point but at the same time i mean that's a huge huge part of the huskies offensive game plan you, you mentioned the three receivers but Adunze especially i mean it feels like he's got some of the best ball skills I can remember seeing at the college level. Uh, and, and I think NFL draft scouts are starting to take notice. I mean, probably, probably any other year he's winning the, you know, all the na- national receiver of the year awards. So he's very impressive. And and really the, the whole receiving core, I mean, this is not a slight at, at Giles Jackson or anything, but the fact that he's like the sixth or seventh receiver on this Washington team should tell you just how many, explosive playmakers they have, how many guys capable of making big plays that they have. So I think the faster you make Penix get rid of the ball, just naturally, I mean, they, he can't, if he has to get rid of the ball before, you know, someone's open 35 yards downfield, well, that, that play's not going to be there. So yeah. And that, that was a huge difference in the Alabama game. To your point, you know, Jermaine Burton was this huge deep ball threat. He did not have, that did not show in the Rose Bowl. You know, Jalen Milrow, he's got a great arm. He was he was really good at those deep passes. I think they only complete, completed one against Michigan. They only attempted three. So that part of their game plan just disappeared. So, yeah, I think, I think the pressure is a big part of it. And, yeah, I think to the secondary, I think you touched on it. Just be aggressive. Play your game. You know, the, Michigan's probably the best secondary that Washington has had to face this season. I think Oregon's probably got – some pretty good players, I, I. but but really the Pac-12 this year, a lot of lot of quarterbacks put up some pretty impressive passing numbers, and part of that's a, a compliment to them, but I also do think, I don't know that it's a conference that has guys like Will Johnson, that has guys like Mike, Mikey Sainer still. You know, even Josh Wallace, I think, has had a very underrated, unsung hero-type season, but how did he look against Ohio State and Alabama? Because that's, you think about receivers, I mean, those are two teams that just are are dripping with four and five star receivers. And I feel like Josh Wallace held his own. I feel like the safeties held their own. It was, and and I do think the linebackers as as you noted are getting better and better. You know, Michael Barrett, junior Colson, Ernest Hausman. I don't know if coverage has always been a strength for them, but it's starting to become one. So, yeah, I think just be aggressive, you know, go into this matchup. And when you see the ball, disrupt it right that's one of their four pillars there's block destruction up front there's ball disruption in the secondary and yeah see what can happen I think the other key this is less Washington can beat Michigan in this way but but Washington I think it might be in danger of being an extremely one-dimensional offense and I don't think they faced a defense that can force them to be one-dimensional in a in a way that would cost them the game you know, Michigan's defense, they can defend run and pass, but you combine Dylan Johnson. I, I I don't know if you saw the Sugar Bowl, Steve. I assume you did. But, you know, if you're getting carted off in the final minute of a Sugar Bowl win, you know, I they, they say he's going to play. They say he's going to be fine. But you got to wonder if he's going to be good enough to play or like truly 100%. I feel like it might just be the former and they don't really have a lot of running back depth no one else on their team has more than 43 carries this year in 14 games so I think you know just just snuffing out some of the run opportunities Penix can run they don't ask him to because I think they'd rather have him throw but he's capable of it and then their wide receivers and, and even tight ends on occasion but like Jeremy Bernard he's a classic like end around take a carry, take something out of the backfield. Giles Jackson is, you know, I I think uh, McMillan is as well. I mean, they've got a a number of guys who I think if they don't love what they've got at running back, I feel like they're going to try to catch Michigan off guard with receivers, tight ends, kind of taking some of those carries. So I think the best thing Michigan can do to help out its pass defense is really just be ready, be prepared. As you said, don't miss tackles and make some plays in run defense, because if, if that happens and say Michigan builds a little bit of a lead, well, suddenly they're pass rushers. If you're Braden McGregor, you're just teeing off, you know, the the proverbial pull your ears back and you can just get going on the pass rush. You know, you can, you can have six guys in coverage. You can have only four guys rushing. So, you know, I think, I think forcing Washington to be one dimensionals and is a second way Michigan can slow down this passing offense, because if, if washington is going to pass on 80% of its snaps for hypothetically i got to think michigan likes its chances of winning that game because i think you know if if it's less 50-50 if it's less um putting defenders in conflict and more just like hey we're going to try it again same same general concept Let's see if you can stop it twice you know michigan's got to like that kind of matchup so uh, that's another big key to me
0: so, I was gonna say the other thing I kind of keep thinking about when when thinking about a how Michigan played last week and B preparing for this game. I keep going back to Marvin Harrison Jr. talking about how he had never seen coverages like the ones mm. that Michigan threw at him in that game, and it just makes me kind of wonder if if you know Minter's game prep just seems to be a plus right I mean I, granted, with Alabama, they had plenty of time. To kind of uh, obviously to study the opponent, and there's a lot less time here, but I don't really think that's going to be that much of a factor. The the short turnover time, it's really no different than prepping for one team versus the next
1: uh, yeah, during like the season, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. So, um,
1: and that- and I will say, because just because the coaches talked about it, they do have analysts and staffers who were already. scouting Washington and Texas all yep, month. For sure. I'm sure, Washington was doing the same, but. Something to keep in mind.
0: Yep. So that's something I kind of go back to as well. uh, It's just that, I mean, when you have, yeah, I think we'd say what, that you maybe had the LSU guys in their neighbors and uh, was it Thomas. But besides, I think Odunze and and Harrison Jr. two best receivers in college football this season. Uh, To have Harrison, a guy of Harrison Jr.'s ability, make that comment. That's just something I kind of continue to – Think about. I was thinking about it last week, uh, even during the game. Like when you said, uh, n- "No, no, Jermaine Burton, no Isaiah Bond, no anybody for them." Uh, you know, I kind of wondered the same thing. Now, again, Washington more dynamic passing attack, obviously. Yes. Uh, yep. But Alabama's offense was really kind of starting to hit its stride, though. Too, it wasn't as if you know. I'm more impressed. I'm not the. Uh, I'm not doing what many have done. The the same. Types who were picking Alabama to win the game were the first ones to say, well, this isn't the same type of Alabama team or offense or whatever um, that they were in the past. But, you know, I just kind of keep thinking about their ability to to disguise coverage, uh, their depth, too. They've been they've still been rotating guys constantly back there, particularly at the safety position. I mean, I think we saw, what, four or five different guys uh, back there last week.
1: Yeah, part Uh, of it, I think Makari was banged up. Sure. But Quentin Johnson, Keon Sab, yeah, they both rotated and, in, and, and, and it both didn't made, seem like a drop-off.
0: Right, and both made significant plays, too. I mean, Johnson forces the fumble, Sab makes that that one-on-one tackle on the edge. I can't remember which receiver it was, but if he misses that tackle, uh, that play's probably going for a big gain. So, uh, you know, not only are they rotating, but the guys that they're bringing in are, are playing at a pretty high level right now as well. So. Yeah, that's just something else I kind of keep thinking about. It'll be interesting to see if there's any tangible indication that that Penix is confused or that Michigan is doing something to sort of uh that's making them a little uncomfortable.
1: Disguising coverages, mixing things up. That is something Michigan emphasized and practiced all year. One underrated part of this matchup that I would argue favors Michigan is who is the team that Michigan spends all year preparing for schematically, even at sometimes the expense of giving up a big play here or there against teams that they're going to beat anyways? And that, that team's Ohio State. And I would argue this Washington team, better than Ohio State this season. But but think back to that 2021 Ohio State team. You know, there's, there's definitely some parallels between Stroud and Penix. And then having three big-time receivers – in Polk, Adunze, McMillan, feel like there's some parallels to what Ohio state had in 2021. So, you know, I think the fact that, that Minter has, he probably already has a giant file of what to do with a quarterback of Penix's caliber and receivers of Washington's caliber, uh, not, not necessarily the exact same formula. I get it, but I think there there's enough parallels that that, that probably helps when he's explaining some of these concepts and explaining, you know, it's not like this is the first time Michigan has faced a receiver of a dunes Ace caliber, you know, him and Marvin Harrison. Yeah. They're probably one, a one B right now. And, and Michigan, as, as you noted, and as I'll note, I don't think either of us expect them to hold Washington to 110 passing yards. We expect Washington to be able to make plays just like why. I state was able to throw the ball effectively against michigan but you'll you'll remember from the last three years ohio state maybe they threw for a lot of yards but michigan was able to tighten up big time inside the the red zone inside the third yard line you know they were able to you know once there was a little bit less room uh, i did feel like that that's where the coverage that's where the pass rush really started to shine so um if they have this if they have a similar kind of results against washington i really like their chances of winning and on that note we're going to take a quick break on the other side we'll talk about the keys for the offense steve you and i are in agreement on this this is a huge opportunity for michigan's offense maybe maybe an easier matchup than some of the previous defenses that they faced lately you're listening to the wolverine 24 7 podcast
2: selling a little or a lot
1: So, Steve, I want you to to jump in first, but I think you and I are, are kind of in line. Uh, this Washington defense, it's not Alabama. It's not Ohio State. It's not Iowa. It's not Penn State. Um, frankly, you know, I, I have the different numbers that I kind of use as my key factors. This is a below average defense compared to what Michigan has played all season. So with that in mind, what is your biggest key for Michigan's offense in this
0: game? honestly I think it's it I, it's very simple to me I think it's you just keep doing what you've been doing right Michigan is 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 a team that's continually for three years now wears down opposing defenses over four quarters no indication necessarily that that Washington is going to have a high amount of success in slowing Michigan's running game down and one thing we noted before we got on I just I do wonder if if Michigan could have a pretty big day in the play action passing game. Uh, mention this. I think I did do a pre like a things I was looking for heading into the Alabama game. I guess I didn't really go back and look, keep total track, but I wouldn't mind seeing them w- a couple play actions on first down. Right. I mean, it, it's just with Michigan, you're expecting run all day uh, from uh, from the get go. I just kind of wonder if Michigan could exploit that a little early against the defense. Like I said, you know, we're talking about that we think Washington will have some success, you know, and that's against Michigan's defense, who's what number two in the country, like top three in the country. Washington's defense, I believe the, I can't remember the exact stat, but I believe whatever their S and P plus whatever they're ranked defensively, they yeah, would I be. I think they're
1: forty the, fourth.
0: Right. You know what's sad. I'm going to say, did you see that stat? Like yep, they, they would, did, they would, they would have the worst, it'd be the worst defense in that. According to that metric to win the championship since what? 1970 or something. 1950, 1950.
1: 50, 1950. Yeah.
0: Even, yeah, yeah. Even further back. So pretty crazy stat. Right. Um, so with that in mind, it's very hard to imagine that Michigan isn't going to have a lot of success offensively themselves. So, uh yeah, I just I, I think I think they just keep doing pretty much what they've been doing with maybe a couple wrinkles in there. Like I said, the one I always kind of go back to is maybe mix in a couple more play actions on first down. Uh we did see a little bit against Alabama and, and you're seeing it like how effective when McCarthy's able to keep the ball, right? Again, you don't need him to break a fifty yard run, but I think it was that first down run or that the the one where he gained like fifteen or twenty yards, it was like that was not that difficult right i mean they were running he had a pretty easy lane to run through because everyone's so focused on uh slowing blake corum down uh corum to me also more important in this more has become more even more important than ever now just because i don't think teams are totally respecting uh Donovan edwards when he comes in to run the ball anymore like i was actually surprised I could like, buy
1: that. Yeah,
0: you know, I, like for instance, I don't think I don't think a a double pass would work in this game. I kind of feel like teams are like uh, like Washington or they would be able to sniff that out a little bit more than before. Again, me, I just I just think they if they want to use him, I think they put him on the field at the same time as Corum. But otherwise, I mean, I just think I think Blake is is the most important player for Michigan in this game because he's the guy a keeps the chains moving and b is is kind of the embodiment of how michigan wears teams down over four quarters and there's no doubt that this is a defense that they can do that to oh, will yeah. they not a certainty obviously but yeah like we you talk about some of the other defenses they've faced i mean man penn state's got really good defense uh um, and they they wore them. I mean, I still think about that game too. Running the ball, how many straight times in the game? Twenty two or 30. something? 30, yeah, 30 didn't run the didn't two, run the ball, didn't throw the ball in the second half, right? Was it something like that? Yeah. Um, that's just <laughs> that's so impressive, uh, you know, from a football standpoint. So, you know, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Don't turn the ball over, which is something they've been mostly able to avoid. Yep, and uh, and and I think I said just a you know you're going to throw in a couple wrinkles. Obviously, uh, I, I like them using that play action pass a little bit more. Um, and as always, the other last thing, real quick, is there's just always possibility that Colson Loveland can have a big game. He's just a bad matchup for anybody. <laughs> Washington, no different, right? So, uh, you know, something else I'll be looking for.
1: Just a stat for you to to back up the play action value uh, in the last two seasons. JJ McCarthy has completed 112 of 155 passes in play action for 1,931 yards, 15 touchdowns, and two interceptions. That's a collegiate passer rating of 207.8. That's that's better than Heisman numbers. Those are those are beyond what is realistic to expect at the college level. I mean, those are what you would call video game numbers. So it's it's been a huge asset for them. And obviously, part of that is like you can't do it every single play. But yeah, you throw it in there. I, I like the first down approach. I think, um, you know, just keep keep Washington guessing a little bit because I, I'm going to assume, based on the rushing defense stats that I'm going to read off in just a moment, that Washington's probably going to try to come out and stop the run first uh, and, and, and see if they could force Michigan to pass. And if it works, then, you know, game on. And if, it, if they aren't able to stop the run when they're trying to, uh, I think, I think Michigan's just going to keep running. I mean, we've seen Penn State; that was not even like a lopsided game, but Michigan was content with just uh, make make it, someone someone's got to stop them for them to stop doing it. So, on that note, I think Washington. You know, I think the the biggest key for Michigan uh, sometimes complimentary football gets thrown around a little bit like game manager for quarterback, where it's like a little bit of a backhanded compliment. It kind of means your offense isn't that good, (laughs) but I think it's a very much an asset for Michigan. You talk about the four quarter, just kind of grinding it out. And, and part of it is that they have an offense that isn't rushing, isn't tiring out their own defense by having these short possessions and, and, you know, these three and outs or, or the big play one, one way or the other, it's, it's very much a chain moving clock controlling physical offense that that yeah can can grind just about so far they've ground grinded everybody out over four quarters so uh this washington defense by the way 86 in rushing yards per carry allowed 72nd in pro football focuses run defense grade and 105th in pro football focuses tackling grade i mean this is this is a Below average run defense, just straight up. And now they're facing a Michigan team that that has Blake Corum, that has a great offensive line. I I don't think the rushing numbers have been as good for Michigan this year. Like if this was last year's Michigan team, I might be predicting like a three hundred yard, three hundred rushing yard kind of game from Michigan. I don't know what it'll look like on Monday, but I do think Michigan can really move the chains, kill some clock, and we talk about different ways that they can slow down. Washington's passing attack well one big way is don't let the ball be in their hands as much right if you if Michigan's able to go five minutes a pop on their drives you know suddenly suddenly Pennix is throwing a lot less passes than he's used to throwing and so I think you know again complimentary football sometimes it it gets used as kind of like a backhanded compliment deal in this case it's a full-on compliment because I think if, if Michigan's able to effectively control the clock when it has the ball in its hands that's going to limit what Washington can do when the ball's in their hands so in addition to the play action I do think I think that's that's a really good way for Michigan to to kind of open things up to Washington not a good pass rushing team Uh, Braylon Trice is great don't get me wrong he leads the country in quarterback pressures but the rest of the group averaging only one and a half sacks per game as a team outside the top 100 and that, uh, Michigan's going to have a little bit more time. And so, yeah, play action, maybe some longer developing routes. Maybe you you scheme to get receivers open instead of just, you know, first or second read and and fired off before someone hits you. A little different than Alabama, in my opinion. I I think Washington's pass rush a little less in your face. They do have some ball hawks, though. They have 16 interceptions this season, 66 pass breakups. Uh, Both of those stats rank in the top 10 nationally yeah I think play action can kind of get that secondary put that secondary in conflict a little bit. Uh, I think there's there's definitely some opportunities there Steve, there's a lot going on storyline wise you know when when two fourteen and o teams that have never played in these national championships since they started being national championships uh this is a new stage for both teams, technically, you know they're both fourteen and oh. They both have a lot of seniors and 6 year guys, fifth-year guys. I think I saw Washington has six, six-year seniors. Um, you know, what What are some other storylines that you think will will play a big factor in Monday's game? Oh, and I do want to ask you on that note, concern level for the special teams. Very rare. I think this might be the first time in our podcast history that we're talking about the concerns or potential concerns on the special teams just because they've always been so good and so consistent, so effective. I wanted to get your thoughts on the concern level there as well as other factors that will play into this game.
0: Teams always matters in these big games and and Michigan laid a total egg last week. I just hard pressed to imagine they'll repeat that performance, right? I mean, you can't even really point out like much of a positive in any facet i mean even something that wasn't talked about was like uh tommy doman's punts were not good last week
1: yeah probably his right? worst game of the year
0: yeah right so i mean you know no touchbacks i don't think did they get one touchback i don't feel like they had even a touchback if they did it was i think they had one right but some but of that many... might
1: be alabama i mean to to michigan's credit I think the one thing they did well was kickoff coverage because they dropped sure, Alabama true. behind the 25 yep, yep. both times. And, true. And yep. Hibner, Hibner, big hit. Yep.
0: Yep. Matt Hibner, yep. Um, but, you know, so that stuff always matters. We know how much, you know, how much field position on both sides of the football has kind of been a driver for Michigan, Michigan's success. So that's obviously something to always kind of keep an eye on. I'm excited for this game. Uh, just because, well, I mean, you know, obviously it's hard not to, it's, it's just cool that they're playing in the national championship, obviously, but I like that they're playing Washington, uh, kind of a sort of an old school rival of Michigan's, you know, like, I feel like they played Washington like five times when I was a kid in the Rose Bowl. It felt like it was almost always Michigan and Washington there. And they, I believe they had a home and home there in the, in the mid nineties as well. And maybe even in the early two thousands, I just, they're two teams that have actually played each other a little bit more than what you would expect two teams on opposite sides of the country to have played each other. So I think it's kind of cool that it's Michigan and Washington uh, and that they'll actually play again the next two seasons. uh, I think it's kind of a neat way to sort of close one chapter of college football history and open up another one. Um, So, yeah. And then I I guess the other thing is for me, uh, Kalen DeBoer has done an awesome job Forgot he was the OC at Indiana uh, before, like, you know, like quite a rise for him. But I also just kind of think I feel like Michigan uh, has the coaching advantage in this game. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is due. I think Michigan is sort of due here. I think it would be such a – it would be kind (laughs) of – it would be such a funny, comical, like such a nice mix of, like, sweetness and saltiness if Michigan – is to able to pull this off tomorrow? Uh, the just the reactions from across, from every corner of the it's just going to be comical based on the uh, stupidest scandal in sports history that Michigan had to deal with this season, uh, and and to think that they won six games without their head coach, <laughs> including probably their two toughest regular season games. Uh, just it's yep. it's been a wild ride uh, this year specifically. And and the last three seasons, uh, you know, to, to culminate it tomorrow is, is it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's just been there's never a dull moment with Michigan, even when things seem to be clicking on all cylinders. Whether it's they're winning championships and recruiting is really, but somehow recruiting is really slow, or then you got all the crap this season. Like there's just always some kind of storyline, or, or whether manufactured or not, uh, that just kind of you know, there aren't many lulls for us on the site, you know, and, and just as far as like, there's always feels like with football, there's always something to, you know, kind of write about or talk about. So, you know, for, for them to have made it this far is, is, is pretty neat, pretty cool. A testament to the players, uh, the guys who came back, you know, just, but I also, the other thing too, I think we agree. I, I, I also just kind of feel like last week, I think Michigan really got the monkey off of their back, and I don't. I feel like they're going to play a lot less tight than they did to begin the game last weekend. That's that's just a instinct, a hunch type deal. I just I'd be very surprised if Michigan didn't come out and play a lot more crisp, uh, particularly on offense uh, than they did last week. Uh, just because I like I said, I just you know to beat Alabama to beat the SEC. You know, I just think
1: win a bowl game. Yeah, win, win a bowl, bowl game. Right, they, right. They actually broke a few skids there. I feel like right.
0: We've been we've been since we've been covering Michigan under Harbaugh. It was first. It was couldn't beat the rivals. Then it was couldn't get to Indianapolis. Couldn't win a Big Ten championship. Couldn't beat Ohio State. Yeah, and then it was then it that that was this was kind of the la- these are the last few steps, right? Just, yeah, can't beat an SEC team. Can't win a bowl game. Now it's can't win a national championship. Uh, can't win a playoff game so uh you know kind of the final step here uh so yeah should be fun wish it wasn't at seven forty-five on a monday you know that's <laughs> that's always really stupid uh but i mean it's it's been that way for a while now so whatever so
1: yeah at least it's not like i feel like some championship games in other sports I feel like we'll start at like 8 30 and i'm like even do i even want to like invest in this but emotionally but but yeah it's it, I, I very much agree with the monkey off the back, you know, just talking to the players. I mean, you, you do kind of, you you do need to show it again, right. Rent, the rent is due again to, you know, show up, play hard and everything. But um, I, I do think talking to the players, I mean the bowl game streak, I think that actually did bother them more than maybe fans realized, you know, cause sometimes people are like, Oh, it's, you know, the bowl Bull records are meaningless because you know sometimes teams like Michigan or Notre Dame get really unfavorable matchups because they, they get into better bowl games that anyway there's there's lots of holes you can poke in bull records about opt-outs and, and transfers and coaching changes things like that but it you know talking to some of the veteran players on Michigan's team I think it it really was a streak that that bothered them just like an Ohio State streak or just like a Ranked team on the road. Remember, those stats used to be real common. With you know, they would be attached to Jim Harbaugh's name, like he's blank and ten against ranked teams on the road or whatever. uh So I feel like, yeah, I feel like they they have every reason to come out looser. I, I'm I'm fascinated to see how they look at the start because I think I think if you asked Michigan players anonymously, they could tell you how, how they really feel. I think they would tell you that Alabama would beat Washington. I think that they they feel internally that Alabama is better team, worse matchup for Michigan, and, and just a tougher team to take down in bowl games than Washington. So yeah, I think the I think the big factor though, and players talked about it, coaches talked about it, is just like making sure that that uh if you make a bad play, because every football game has like boneheaded mistakes, whether it's a penalty or a dropped punt or I don't know, just like like other mistakes. How do you make sure that you're not spiraling for a bit where you're like, man, I can't believe I dropped that wide open pass in the national championship game. Like it just adds that level of, of it can add that level of severity. And that's, to me, that's where it's advantage Michigan. I think Washington, extremely well coached team. A lot of people look at the, oh, they they only beat such and such team by this many points. They only beat such and such team by that many points. But I think the, I look at it as a compliment that they've won all these games close because that tells me that they've been in those what Jim Harbaugh likes to call the football fights, and and they've been in those battles down the stretch. So I think that they've they're actually in a in a weird way more battle tested than Michigan because Michigan, you know, their game against Alabama that was the first time they had trailed in the second half all year. Steve, like that's crazy to make it thirteen games and not even trail in the second half uh, is is incredible. So. You know, I think Washington had a little bit more of the, like, we got to find a way to grit this out. We got to find a way to to make this happen. Um, So I do think that helps them. But this Michigan team, we've said it since February, January. You know, this is the stars aligning team. I don't know if Michigan's ever going to have so many pieces fall in their favor like this again. Head coach returns. Both coordinators return. Unanimous All-American Heisman finalist caliber running back returns. You have a five-star quarterback. He's he's back. He's in his second year as a starter. Offensive line get three starter four starters to return because I'm counting Trent A. Jones as well. Add you know three high-level transfers on defense. Mike Barrett. He got a six-year. I don't know if he's getting a, you know if if the next Mike Barrett is getting six years. He opts to come back. Mikey Seager, still he opts to come back for a fifth year. I mean, you, you can just keep going down the list. Chris Jenkins, a lot of players who either it, everything kind of fell in Michigan's favor. Yes, there's there's talk about the the investigations, whatever. But in terms of like the actual putting together the team, seemed like they things fell in their favor in ways that just don't typically happen to any team especially teams with NFL caliber players like Michigan. So, yeah, a lot of players returned, a lot of players, a lot of transfer portal play. I mean, every transfer portal edition turned out to be as good as advertised. And that's a little bit of a credit to Michigan's coaching staff for vetting and scouting for the right players uh, and developing them. But you also do get a little lucky <laughs> when, you have, when you go, like, what, nine for nine in transfer portal players, like being impactful and valuable to your team. And so, yeah, I could keep going down the list. A lot of fifth-year guys who came back, a lot of fourth-year guys who could have gone pro came back. Uh, the pieces really fell into place. Coaching staff continuity was definitely there, and they were challenged throughout the season. But I liked the analogy that Jim Harbaugh used today in his press conference. He says, "Really, since since they all opted to come back, and, and since the off season started, you know, Michigan's players they've been kind of going around the track like they're like their thoroughbred horse." They've got the blinders on uh, when they need to, get, you know, whip each other into shape. They were doing that. You know, this is a mature team that, that kind of coaches itself. And I think they proved that throughout the season, actually. <laughs> I mean, not, not to discredit what Sharon Moore and some of the other assistants did, but, but, you know, they, they've all talked about it. It's like they didn't have to actually change all that much of their daily routine because this team, it, it you know, it, it's self-coaching. They, they kind of do it to themselves. And Jay Harbaugh talked to me about that yesterday, about Jake Thaw. He's like, I didn't even – I actually had to, like, tell Jake Thaw that it's okay. Like, he didn't have to be so hard on himself, but he was already out doing – you know, catching more punts and doing extra drills. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a very veteran, mature, disciplined team. I think I I said it when I was on with Alejandro. You know, very rarely in college football can you find a team that's this – mature experienced talented deep and disciplined i mean it's just it's this is this is the team you know jim harbaugh likes to say that this is you know when coaches dream of teams like this and i think that's going to show on monday i really do i really do i think you know we can talk about the little x's and o's and the matchups but at the same time winning a national championship winning in a game that's going to be a juiced atmosphere uh what 30 million people are going to be watching it at home it's uh I think there's a lot of value in in the recruiting stars in college football. We, we work for 24-7 sports. No one knows that more than us. But I think this team, this Michigan team, and this Washington team as well, have shown that having experience, depth, discipline, maturity, leadership uh, really can make a difference in tight, tense games. I think that made the difference for Michigan against Ohio State. I think that made the difference at Penn State in a, in a very odd situation heading into the game I think it made the difference against Alabama and I think it's going to make the difference Monday I'll give you my score prediction since I was kind of building up to it I've got Michigan 38 Washington 27 Steve any final thoughts in this matchup and your score prediction for the game
0: uh, I kind of did my spiel <clears throat> before I would score wise yeah we, we so we had the same score I was going to change it I'll stick with it though, I, I, but yeah, I'll say 34 to 24, Michigan. I, I could see Washington. I mean, 24 does seem a little low, but in, again, in a way you talk about Washington's defense, statistically 34 almost seems a little low for Michigan, maybe. Right. I mean, it's possible Michigan could put up, I mean, they put up a granted It was overtime, but they put up 27 against Alabama. Um, Yeah. 34 to 24. I think they do it kind of hard to believe that they might be the national champions. Uh, But yeah, here we are. Uh, But yeah, I'm going Michigan 34, 24. I think JJ McCarthy has another very, very good game for Michigan and and, uh, powers them to victory.
1: Okay. There you go. We're both predicting Michigan to win a national championship on Monday in Houston. Myself, Alejandro, Sam and Josh Newkirk, we're all down in Houston. So we'll have tons of live coverage over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Whether it's before the game or there's been some preview content, there might even be a couple more stories, including this podcast, I suppose. You know, we're pumping out lots of content during the game. We'll have updates. And then obviously after the game, we'll be able to talk to the players and coaches about the game, win or lose, whatever happens. Uh, so be sure to check all that out over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. And of course, Hate to to look ahead, but the next week of Michigan football will be incredibly interesting and defining for what's to come. I mean, a lot of decisions to be made. Everyone's talking about Jim Harbaugh, of course, but players too. They have until January 15th to make their NFL draft declarations. A lot of it's probably going to depend on how things go Monday night, of course. So stay tuned for all of that. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time.